My name is Logan Draper, and this is Modern Mad Men, episode 12. I'm sitting here today with Jared Van. Hey, Jared. What's up, y'all? I don't know why I always say your last name. I just feel like it's important. It's a, it's a good name. It is a, it's a great name, but I think you've been on the podcast 12 times. Yeah, so. hopefully people know my name. And they probably a, don't because... And you have a mic. I'm the dude who usually doesn't have the mic. But you have one. I do have one. And That's you have the top... Oh, you've been on this before. three times in a row now. Facebook it's impressive. Live. This is our first ever podcast that we are going to call in a friend, um, Jacob Carlson from HubSpot. We've been working with Jacob Carlson for the last year and a half, and uh, we're going to talk sales today. And so if this doesn't work, then you and I are going to talk sales. Yeah. So are you ready for that? This so, yeah. There's a reason there's I don't have sales as part of my job title, because I'm not the person to talk to about sales. So we'll, like, we'll, we'll see what happens. It might get interesting if this I doesn't work. I think you could sell something. You tried to sell me some bad fancy trades this I'd, week. I'd, I'd rather us like know it's not working as opposed to like us thinking everybody can hear Jacob and then like... It's just silence for his part of the speaking. And everybody's like, what is I don't know what he's saying. If that happens, we just dub over it. Yeah, I can dub over it. I do some pretty mean voiceovers. Yeah, we just do like a gnarly yeah. Boston accent. He didn't have much of a Boston accent. Ooh, yeah. Go get some Wabugus. Wabugus. There we go. The first intro into... Uh... <laughs> yeah, that's, a, that's about the only accent I can do, not sound like Borat. <laughs> but if, if, if I did that for like three more words, I would start sounding like Borat. Which we, if I would like to see that by the end of this podcast. I'm going to try to call him in. Right He's now. ready. Okay. Are you ready? I mean, I'm not going to talk at all while y'all are doing y'all saying because I don't know much about sales. We'll see if y'all works. I'm super interested. Should be interesting. This is just another evolution in modern madmen. Bringing in a phone. Yeah. Can you hear? I can. I can barely hear it ringing. I can too. Can you hear it pretty good? Kind of. It's pretty soft on my end. Hey, Logan. What's up, man? Hey, Jacob. How you doing, man? I'm doing pretty good. No complaints here. Hey, I, you're sitting here with Jared and I, and you're live um, on Modern Mad Men. The first ever call-in. The first ever call-in. Wow, isn't that exciting? Jared, what's up, man? What's up, man? How's it going? It's going pretty good. good. Uh, it's going pretty good besides the fact the Red Sox aren't in the World Series, and yeah. I'm going to sit through that. But, yeah, it's That's going pretty a... good besides that. At least the Yankees are not. That is true. We can be united with that, so we can be united with that. Actually, you guys know uh, John uh, Ippolito and uh, Pete Kellich. They're both Yankees fans, so I was kind of having a, having a blast rubbing it in their face all week. So, yeah, it's it's not as but, fun for us being Texas Ranger fans and um, seeing the Astros um, in the World Series. Not nearly as fun. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. So, uh, so what's going on, guys? I've been. You know, taking a look at some of the, ep- you know, watching some of the episodes and kind of loving the progress you guys are having and, you know, love to, glad to be on. And what, what can I help you guys with? Man, first, thank you for your time. Greatly appreciated. Um, and we talked a little bit about you before you got on here. You've been working with us, um, you being with HubSpot and us being with DesignWorks. You've been working with us the last year and a half. And I mean, we can talk, you know, what you currently do, but you bring a lot to the table in terms of, I mean, you've had business ventures before and you, you really have a good mindset when it comes to sales and really understand people. And so, man, I, I, we just want to pick your brain a little bit on uh, how, tell us a little bit how you got here. Like you're sitting here today, you're at HubSpot. How did you get here? It's a, it's cra- It's crazy. And, and, and more than happy to make the time for you guys. Uh, definitely one of my favorite agencies to work with and we've grown together quite, quite, uh, quite a bunch throughout this process. So, um, how, how did I get here? I think that that's an interesting story, at least to get started. I think the first start is to look at kind of like how I, my first, maybe my first sales job, right. would probably be where I would want to start with that. So, um, I graduated college, um, in 2008, which was kind of the height of the market crashing. Um, both of my parents are actually, uh, college professors. One of my, or my dad is a lawyer. My mother works in nursing. My dad teaches criminal justice. I always thought I was going to be a lawyer, right? Um, when I graduated college, I didn't apply for law school, um, like I probably should have. And one of the jobs that attracted me was a job with the title of recruiter, right? So both of my parents kind of being in the non-sales side of things, um, things sales related were looked at as slimy, right? So I never thought I would go into a, a sales job. I mean, I felt the um, same but way. I looked at this, right, like, 
salespeople, you kind of get that that used car salesman, like kind of trying to get you to do stuff you don't want to do, that sort of idea. Um, so I didn't want to do that. Nobody ever pushed me to do anything like that. So um, I looked at this job as a recruiter. And the wholehearted truth of it is like literally the only reason I looked at the job was because one of my favorite games on Xbox was NCAA football. Oh, yeah. Um, and what I what I realized is we would play NCAA football and we would play with everyone in my house. So I had, th- you know, four or five roommates at the time and everyone would pick a school. I found out that my favorite part of that was recruiting, right, was this recruiting piece of the game. So I said to myself, hmm, that's interesting. Um, you know, I really like that. Maybe I'll get into this recruiting job. So I applied, um, I ended up getting the job. It was really exciting. Um, so I started and, um, my mother was living in Tennessee at the time. So we didn't really kind of get a lot of back and forth. So she actually flew up two or three weeks into the job and she picks me up, takes me out to dinner. And it was our really first time to talk about what I was doing, right? She was just so happy that I had gotten a job. She didn't really care the details of it. So we're sitting there, we're talking about, you know, what I'm doing on a day-to-day basis. And I'm talking about the school that I'm working for and recruiting for and how fun it is and all this great stuff. And and she's like, Jacob, so what are you, you know, what are you doing on a day-to-day basis? You know, what's your day-to-day look like? Well, I'm well, mom, I'm like, uh, my manager sends me an Excel file of a uh, hundred names with, you know, their email on it and uh, a little bit of background on them. And my job is to call them and to try to set up an appointment for the director of recruiting, uh, the person who actually, you know, quote unquote, closed these people into this MBA program. And my mom sits back and she goes, Hmm, Jacob, that kind of sounds like a sales job. And I said to myself, no, that's not it's I'm recruiting. We're like recruiting and getting kids to go to school and, you know, so on and so forth. And she's like, do you get paid more when you set up an appointment? I said, yeah, you get paid 25 bucks more when you uh, set up an appointment. I said, that's my favorite part. And she says, Jacob, you're in sales. And I was like, whoa, I was like, no way. Right. So then I realized, like, all of these things. You got sold. You got sold into sales. I got sold into sales. Um, so there was the, all these things, right? So like I got paid more when, you know, I, I worked harder and I was more successful. Um, there were all these things that kind of aligned with my own personality that I guess I didn't see before I actually got into the job. So that was my story of kind of getting into sales and been you know, really downhill working in sales ever since and kind of realizing a lot of my personality. And you can tell um, my nickname with all my friends is banter because I can just go on and on and on. So, um, yeah, that's my first story, my first uh, first job in sales. But, yeah. That's awesome, man. And I forgot to tell you on the front end, um, we actually, Jared and I poured you a glass of whiskey and it's sitting on the table. So we do have oh, a glass boy. of whiskey for you here. It's not an old-fashioned, um, but we do have whiskey for you here. Oh, you guys are the best. We should create a company where you can just send someone a glass of whiskey. Like an Uber for whiskey. Amazing. And then you could have had whiskey with us on this podcast. You should feel super important because this it definitely isn't the cheapest whiskey we've had on the show. The one that we have poured for you right now. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. You guys typically are like the Evan Williams type. So what, what kind of whiskey am I drinking over there? I can't say it because of uh, sponsorship issues we're working out. Um, I'm just kidding. It's probably Kentucky Deluxe. Got you a nice fresh bottle yeah, so of Kentucky Deluxe. I I was gonna say that's so fancy. I've never even heard of it. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty premium here in Texas. It's about fourteen dollars a handle. That's a, that's a that's a good price. Um, well, sorry, so I didn't we talk, I didn't mean you know, to completely derail yeah. us there. Um, oh. Oh. I mean, we could probably spend the rest of this podcast on just whiskey, but. I mean, one of the things that I've I've learned from you, which I appreciate, um, and got Jared and I got the opportunity to meet Jacob um, last year in Boston. Got to spend a, a week just kind of kicking it, drinking old fashions, and and talking business. But um, coming coming into just watching how you sell your sales process, the thing I appreciate the most is it's very personal. Um, I, I don't like sales. I grew up not liking sales because sales always meant how do I get this person to do what I want. And I think one of the things that I've seen you do really well is does this person fit um, what I want them to do? So talk to me a little bit about that kind of um, weeding out process. 
Yeah, that's a, that's a good one. And I think that, you know, I really have to give a lot of credit to not necessarily the personable side, because like I've always kind of necessarily been personal. I have three older sisters, so I was always dragged along with with them and with the older people always wanted to be older. I always taught, wanted to talk, um, kind of had some of those natural skills but what i can say that i learned the mo- some of the things i've learned the most working you know with like some of the best world-class salespeople um at hubspot is the usage of your time right so i had never when i was and before i was at hubspot i was uh running a corporate event company here in boston uh started it in burlington vermont was the founder of it got it up to about half a million in revenue hubspot was a client of ours all this great stuff one thing I never did with Just Enjoy, which was the event company, I never disqualified anybody. Yeah. I was like, my impression was like, oh, if we weren't going to do the holiday party this year. We might get the holiday party next year. And even though you have basically a pizza party with a couple of, uh, you know, handles of Kentucky Deluxe. Shout out. Yeah. I still I, I still want that. I still want that deal. I still want that opportunity. So what I learned a lot in my first year at HubSpot is I was wasting my time chasing that person who had the 200 person company who threw one corporate event a year. And it was a $5,000 event versus a company with 50 people that had a $250,000 event budget. And they had a big blowout every quarter. So because I was spending too much time chasing that smaller company, I didn't have the opportunity to find those other companies. So as far as like finding the fit, right? Yep. One thing I've learned is like, if they aren't seeing things eye to eye with you early without that process, instead of you spending time as the salesperson trying to convince them that what you're saying makes sense and it's valid, just find somebody else that understands what you're talking about and and says that makes sense. And there's a million other people out there. Yep. Um, So that that's, that's the kind of the way I look at it that way is like your time as a salesperson is your best asset. Um, I'll give a shout out to one of my mentors, uh, Brian Mosley, who kind of, you always used to push me with that one of like spending my time in the best ways. Yeah. Good. It's dude. actually how the, you know, how I get the best advantage. You guys should have him on the kit podcast too. Yeah, for sure. I would love to, man. He's been, he's been a, a blessing to work with. Yeah. I taught him everything I know. He knows, but uh, you know who's keeping track. Yeah, that's what he told me. For sure, that's what he told me. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's, it's interesting how you look at that differently. And I think, like, as as you guys have looked at that, you know, as an agency, right? Like, it's hard for me in my role, right, working with an agency like you guys. The hardest thing for me is to say, look at a potential client that's a client for not only for us at HubSpot, but also for you guys. We see the opportunity. I see the opportunity. My partner sees the opportunity, but the end client just doesn't see the opportunity. There's no reason for us to keep pushing. Yeah. And that's, they have to see it. That's something I struggled with early because we felt very confident in our sales process um, and closing deals. And I, and I think one of the things that we had to work on, and I think that you were a huge asset in this, was um, we spent too much time um, educating people that were just too far, like they were way too far behind. And we had to invest the time in making sure, one, we had a qualified lead, um, somebody who actually could could pay for what we were offering as well as fit our mindset and, and methodology. Um, but also, you know, learning the balance of, and that's where HubSpot's been an amazing tool for us is learning the balance of, okay, hey, this person may not be ready now, but I'll invest the time over time educating them uh, instead of just, you know, I'd get caught up on a lead that wasn't even close to ready. And I'm spending four months when I could have been with three other people who wanted to buy. And so you've been a, a huge asset and kind of it's a sales is a learning curve. It's all about kind of learning uh, human behavior. Yeah, I, I think, you know, the, the opportunity for you at that is, is to give them is to send them, you know, some of the content that, that Jared's writing and, and let them digest that. And as soon as those start to connect the dots, you know, then the conversation you had with them makes a lot more sense. Right. Like you can't connect the dots for people. They have to be able to see some of the light themselves. Um, you as a salesperson kind of having them have this aha moment. Um, we call that kind of like the dream sale. Like that's not going to necessarily happen. That's not necessarily our role anymore. Yep. So a uh, question for you. 
do you, um, what is your stance on cold calling? Ooh, that's a good one too. Um, what is my stance on cold calling? Um, so kind of a good quick story, I think. is So when I started, I, I started the event company actually up in Burlington, Vermont, and I moved um, the company about two years, two and a half years down to Boston. My co-founder was a developer. He lived up in Vermont. That's where our market was when we started. And I came down to Boston and everyone told me I was crazy. And I left my, you know, high paying recruiting jobs, you know, placing developers in Waltham in Boston. And I left that to do this event company. And, and literally Logan and Jared, the only thing I knew how to do in that process was cold call. Yep. So I would sit in the shared space. I paid a hundred, I paid $400 a month. Everyone called me crazy. I had the shared space and I would sit in this room and I would make cold dials 50, 60, right. A day. And I would just dial. Um, and I know I'm giving you like a long winded story of it, but the first salesperson I hired, this first person I ha- that I had hired and, and it was a mentor of mine and I worked with him. He was actually the first guest on my podcast, uh, carry the water, Ian Danielson. And hey, Ian shout said out. to me, uh, Shout out to Carry the Water. Right? Amen. Hey, we'll put that in the description. Perfect. Um, Ian, I remember Ian asked. You still there? I remember Ian asking. Are you guys there? Yeah. Did you, okay. Did you drop I the phone? Ian, I think so. I dropped it. Okay. Yeah. No, it's good. I thought, I didn't know if you blacked out. So we're good. <laughs> um, Ian asked me what I did before I called somebody. Did you research them? I said, oh, I looked at their website and I said, do I think they have money or not? And that's literally all I was doing as far as qualifying before I cold called it, yep. cold called somebody. So like my stance on cold calling is it's a part of the process, right? And if you're doing your educated and your due diligence as far as research goes and you're providing that potential prospect with education around something that you see they're struggling with, I don't look that as look at it as cold like calling, right? If I send you an email introducing myself, I send you another article that I think is valid to you. I've done some research on it and I'm calling you to say, hey, did you get that email? Hey, did you take a look at that article? I thought it would be relevant to you. To me, I don't think that that's cold calling. Um, I think that's warm calling and that's kind of the stance I have on it. If you just send somebody a list of 100 people and you don't give them enough research on them, that stuff doesn't work. But I do think there's a level of educating yourself before kind of reaching out. Yeah, that's good, man. I, I, I think I personally don't like cold calling um, in its purest form. I mean, I just, um, you know, we're in a smaller community, and obviously we're reaching out well, well beyond just the the Texas area. Um, but I don't know. I, I, I agree with you completely. But I just don't. I mean, for me, um, I'm willing to do anything. You know, there's been people. We had a client in Austin, which from us is about what, Jared? Six hours? Yeah, it's about six hours. About six hour drive for us, and so I drove down there to meet with them instead of cold calling and it, it, it didn't turn out at all. So I drove 12 hours for nothing. Um, but yeah, I, I completely agree, man. I, I spent a lot of time doing research. Um, we had a local business here, um, that unfortunately just recently closed that I reached out to numerous times and tried to kind of help. And I did research and, and never got anything back, but I mean, yeah, the warm calling uh, process is, is incredibly valuable. And I think you have to, I think a lot of businesses get stuck in the mindset of waiting for leads or, just sitting down and hoping that that something's going to turn around when at some point you have to be aggressive and, and, and go. I mean, the whole point of having leads and having, you know, a platform and a CRM is so that you can filter and learn how to better adjust your day. But if you have no leads in the docket, you better pick up the phone and start calling people. Yeah. I mean, if, if let's put it this way, if we talk, if we talk to some of the old quote unquote old school salespeople, some of the people that I, you know, I, I, uh, I had a sales mentor um, who taught me Mil- the Miller Hyman sales training, and if he, he if he knew basically if if I could if if I gave him a LinkedIn profile of a prospect before he was about to cold knock or cold call them, literally, you know, knock on the door or cold call them twenty or thirty years ago, I mean, they would have been like, this is the absolute goldmine. Yeah, these people used to call and have no information on anybody ever. And we have all of this information out there about these people. So the idea of that is like, if you can't know that, you know, you know, if Jared's a a Rangers fan, you know, when you're kind of reaching out to him, 
like talking about all this, like, oh, there's all this content information, and all this other stuff. It's like none of that stuff matters. If yep. you're not leveraging all the information that's out there, you are literally not doing your job as a salesperson. And like, you're never going to connect with anybody. Yeah, that's good. Okay, another question for you, just to kind of switch gears. Um, we created Modern Mad Men. Um, one, to just kind of document the process of learning how to start, um, being able to just get up, create, and really, you know, this is something that, and you know, we've talked a lot, that Jared, Aaron, and I do after work anyway, we drink whiskey and talk business, and so we just wanted to record it. And if you lived here, you'd be here with us all the time anyway. But, sure, you know, as you... Reason we created this is is for the business owner, um, the college kid that's trying to figure out, hey, what am I going to do when I graduate? I want to start something. And the entrepreneur who's struggling. Um, if you're looking in the eyes of of a business owner, and and not for sales sake, not to sell them a product, and you were going to say, hey, listen, here's the advice I'm going to give you after years of sales experience. What would you give them to get started in business in, in terms of sales? Uh, that's a, it's a that's an awesome question. The, the, I think there's a couple of things. I think the first thing I would tell them is never to give up in something that you believe in. That's and good. consistency, consistency, like it's like showing up is. You know, I was actually just talking to. I'm working on this other project, this Twitter tool, and I was working with it's a it's an old friend of mine, and I was telling him, you know, we were missing these kind of scheduled meetings, and I was like getting really angry about that like consistency was the only reason I was successful in any business that I've ever been a part of. That's it. Right. I showed up every day and I figured out how to do it. Like the only thing that you have to, the number one thing to do is to stay consistent in what you're doing and believe in what you're doing enough that like, you're going to lose, you're going to fail. People are going to call you stupid, all that other stuff. Stay inside of your own lane. Don't start your business to brag about it on Facebook. <laughs> don't start your business. Don't honestly, don't start your business to get the girl you like. If you want to start a business because you want to pass cards out at the club, right? I, I used yep. to blow up Logan on those people. I would like absolutely lose my cool because we don't I have a like, club in which I'll falls. So I don't know. About but, that. but like a, the bar, the bar, right? You're at the bar. No, no, I, I, I totally like, agree with you, man. I got, I got the sneaker company. It's like, I got the, you know, they got their MySpace page. They got the Wix page up. Yeah. Like, do it for real reasons, right? Like yep. I remember when we started Vermont baseball of the event company, we were like, we're not doing this to get laid. Right. Yep. So, so that it goes into the second piece, setting goals for yourself. And I know that's like really high level and everyone talks about it all the time. We talk about it at HubSpot all the time, but like setting small and big goals for yourself and actually sticking to them. So if it's three things that you can do this month, you know, those are the things that you're going to focus on and you're going to be able to try to get them accomplished. These are the three things I'm going after this year. And you want to focus and you want to put your head down and you want to see if you get there at the end. So like being able to kind of document some of your success to know what success looks like, I think is important. I never did that, um, you know, in a lot of my ventures and it's something I'm learning to do now. So those would be the two big things. Stay consistent, believe in what you're doing and set some reasonable goals for yourself. Man, that's so good. Um, I'm going to leave you um, with one final incredibly important question. No, I'm going to change that. It just hit me. Two questions. First question we ask people all the time on this podcast, and I'm just interested in your answer. Is a hot dog a sandwich? No. Absolutely not. Why? Can't be. It's on a roll. Okay, that's fair. Aaron's not here to defend it. it it is a lobster, like, for example, right? I'm from Boston, right? Um, a lobster roll would never be considered a sandwich. I'm going to have to ask that to Aaron. I'm, Aaron, this is Aaron's topic, and he's very passionate. And he understands, like, the way that the dough's cooked, which means based on the degrees of the sun and the time that it was made, if it's a sandwich. So um, I'm always interested in people's... made, like it. Yeah, maybe we, you guys could invite me back. We can talk sandwiches and whiskey. We should. Last question. This is a, this is a very sensitive question, and I'm interested in your answer. Who wins a World Series next? The Red Sox or the Rangers? Man. I mean, I got to say the Red Sox, guys. I'm sorry. No, that's fair. Jared and I are trying to decide if we're in rebuild mode or not. Oh, man. 
So. I mean, I think that we we're never allowed to be in rebuild mode. So like, yeah, we just fair. go out and spend more money. That like, even if we make mistakes, like Carl Crawford and, and Adrian Gonzalez and those sort of things, we'll still just go out two years later and you know go buy Hanley Ramirez and fail with pa- Pablo. So yeah, I gotta say the sock just because of the way we spend. No, that's good, man. So here's here's my promise to you, man. We're gonna come down to Boston, or I guess we're gonna come up to Boston, and we're gonna do a live uh, podcast from boston with you actually on set um because i'd love to chop it up more man i appreciate your time i appreciate man you're a savage in the sales game um you're an overall good dude and i appreciate everything you've done for us as, as a company and and you've been a good friend so um thanks for your time today and uh go rangers right back at you guys love you guys thank you so much for your support and uh been a pleasure working with you and i'm gonna come down and see you guys too um Let's go. And do a live episode of uh carry the water so you know, we'll see whoever whoever goes first. Uh, the loser pays for dinner. So why don't we do that? Hey, perfect. You in, Jared? I'm in. Also, you need to bring uh, <laughs> you need to bring John or um, Pete or yep, Jake. Yep, so we can... and Pete. I'll bring the whole crew. Yeah, yeah. we want we still want to run Boston versus Texas and beer pong. Yeah. You know, I don't know if there's anything more professional than that, but let's get that party started. <laughs> hey, that'd be a good podcast, man. Just lose, answer a question, whatever. We can figure it out. But I think uh, um, Jared and I've never lost in anything, so we're ready to roll. Love it. Love it. All right, guys. Talk to you soon. All right, see you, brother. Jerry, we just made it through our first ever phone call. That was the most input I've ever had in a podcast. No, it's not. So, But here's the thing. If you're listening online, um, thanks for listening. Uh, we would appreciate a review, any feedback you have. Uh, but Jared is not here for no reason. I've had you here for a reason. You ready for this? I'm ready. So we just got done talking sales. I love sales. Mm-hmm. Not really. I don't really like sales. I like... Um, connecting the dots, reverse engineering people, mm-hmm. which I guess comes across as sales at times. But here's the thing. The, the only reason that we've been successful in sales um, at DesignWorks is because of Jared and his content he's created. He's, he spends um, a, a ton of time, ton of energy creating content around our prospects. So that, I'm going to ask you some questions on that. Is that all okay. right? Okay, let's do it. I, didn't give you, I, I give nobody any um, – I don't. we have no like, – I don't give you guys anything. Because if you don't know it, then you shouldn't be one working at Design Works two on the podcast. Exactly. So exactly. I trust you completely. So I want you to give me your top two to three. Um, so okay, some guy's sitting at home, some woman sitting at home. They they've started a business and they're not satisfied with their growth. Mm-hmm. They're bummed, right? So they're like, oh, I need to go out and sell. Right. That's the first immediate thought. I need to go door to door. I need to go get in the yellow pages. I need to run a TV ad. Whatever. Mm-hmm. I need to start going out to business events and passing out business cards. Quit doing that. Um, just kidding. But seriously, quit doing that. So th- this person's trying to figure it out. It's oh, Sorry, side note. It's weird we're wearing headphones. I know. It is. It's kind of catching me off guard. But I'm, I'm going to stick. I'm, we're going to stick with it for the sake of the podcast. Um, what would you say content creation-wise has been very successful for us or the businesses we work for um, in terms of creating a prospect in which the sales team can go out and sell? So I think anything um, that is, I mean, people are always searching for stuff. People always have problems. So I think anything um, that can educate people, anytime you can do market research or customer research and find out who your demographic is and know what they are looking for and then build content around that is going to resound with them. So okay, just quick, real quick question, because I uh-huh. think that's gold. Someone's saying like, hey, that's a great idea. How do they do it? What are some ways that they can digitally or however find out who's looking at their stuff. Well, if you, if you have a Facebook page, which you should if you are a business, let's start there. Get a Facebook page if you don't have one. Get a Instagram, start an Instagram business account. Yep. Get on all social media, see which one works for you. Yep. Um, from there, you can eliminate which ones aren't working. I still don't recommend that. But get on all social, and then like basically all social media platforms will have analytics where you can go into and see um, who's looking like broken down to age... Uh, gender, uh, household income, a bunch of different stuff. It breaks it down into who's looking at your stuff, yep. um, at what times of day, what days. Um, so you can... Free. S- for free, Completely yeah. Completely free. Yeah. And no no other software. Like Facebook goes super in-depth and will even create create personas for you and tell you like exactly about this person, like down to what car they drive, how many kids they have, um, how much they make. So knowing that, you can, you can kind of make inferences about like what these people do and like what 
type of content there resound for with them and like what type of voice um, yep. and stuff. So knowing that, um, you can then create content around their interest and then organically they'll be searching for it. And then also if you want to put money on it and target those interests in those demographics, you can also do that. That's good. Sorry, I cut you off. What are your other points? You're talking yeah. about building around demographic. Yeah, there's building over. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's 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 like uh, the biggest part is knowing who you're. Cre- you don't want to create content blindly because you're just creating it and hoping that people see it. Like if you don't know who you're creating for, then you, you have to do that first, or else nothing that you you're going to waste a lot of time, possibly a lot of money, and you're just going to be frustrated that you aren't growing. So yep, like that's that's like one of the, one of the biggest things is knowing. Like, who is going to actually like my product? Who's going to buy my product? Um, and then writing stuff and creating stuff that they would actually enjoy seeing. So if you are, um, maybe you're like an older business owner, but your product, younger people like. Like, you can't write or create content for a in a way that would have resounded with people 20, 25 years ago. You have to, like get your mind around that younger people are buying your product and to try to write something and create something that they will find interesting, yep. which, which, which can be harder to do. And if, if it is, then hire somebody who's closer to that demographic yep. and let them create content for you. That's good. No, that's good, man. And Jared is a complete savage at this. <clears throat> so it's, it's not an easy game. It's not because it takes time. It does. You and put it, a ton of time in and it, and it can be frustrating. Like you, like there's a lot of times where I think, I created something that was awesome and nobody, like, it doesn't reach anybody. How frustrating is that? That's super frustrating. And then I can go outside, and we've talked about this before, I can go outside and race a professional athlete. Who smoked you. Who smoked me. This is the first time I'm admitting that. Who smoked me, and it'll just blow up. And, like, I, there wasn't any, like, targeted voice or targeted nope. anything with that. It was just me going outside and racing some dude. Yeah. Who is, like, super fast in general. Yeah. Like, you weren't going to beat him. No one's going to beat him. Hey, I actually... Shout out Tyler Williams. He's super fast. I actually thought in my head that I would lose by a couple steps. And I lost by about 22 steps. One, you probably wouldn't be my friend for as long as you were. But you have to have some kind of, in life and business, there's got to be some kind of confidence. Yeah. You got to walk in thinking, like, hey, I'm probably going to lose, but I'm going to put up a fight. Yeah. And it wasn't that bad. I mean, he did turn around backwards, but... he, He did slow down quite a bit. But I still celebrated like I won, so... Maybe maybe like the camera angle is a weird angle, so people can actually tell, and they actually thought I won because of my reaction. So, just always act like you won, Man, and, I, and I feel like that. That might be the whole wisdom for the podcast. Yeah, just act like you won. Act like you act like you're supposed to be there. Act like you're supposed to be there. Yeah, Astros. Yeah, I'm just kidding. Well, they are probably supposed to be there. They are supposed to be there. Great unfortunately, team. no. I think uh, I think the times of of sales have changed. You know, yeah. I, I'm not going to go door to door. Yeah, and I'm really not going to just blow people up unless I need to. I think there takes. I mean, Jacob said it really well. Like, I think you have to have some form of warm calling, which yeah. is just like a level above cold, where you have to like, if you're sitting there and you have nothing going on, you've got to create it. Mm-hmm. But in the meantime, you should be creating content that sets out there, literally, for as long as the digital age is around. Yeah, that you can begin to create gateways for people to find you, create content. So yeah. you do a good job of that. Yeah, and I also like what he said about, uh, I guess, as one of his mentors that was talking to him and basically told him like, "Hey, you need to research everything about this person before you try to make the sale." So um, you can like have common and common interests that you can talk about, even if you aren't interested in it. Then you know you know that they're interested in it, so you can talk about that with them. Yep, get them interested, and then evolve it into. The cell. Yeah, and I think people take that the wrong way. Yeah. They're like, oh, I'm snooping, I'm creeping on somebody so that I can come in and, and try to trick them. But the reality is, one, if you really care about the person, which is important, then you want to know if it's a good fit. Yeah. And one phone call, you never know that. Mm-hmm. So you've got to know a lot. But two, if you're going to create content around somebody, one, who are you creating content around? Mm-hmm. Why are you creating the content? Yeah. But But even more, I think most people get to those first two steps. Some do. The third step is... What do you want them to do with the content? Exactly. Do you want yeah. them to get? To, do you want them to come to your event? Do you want them to p- come by your store? Do you want them to convert on an ebook? Yeah. And, and we use at DesignWorks. Here, here's an insider tip. Um, I'll give away the secrets to competitors because competitors can know it, and we're still going to beat you to the finish line. Um, 
Seriously? But uh, no, I'm just kidding. But no, I'm serious. Seriously. No, 100%. It doesn't matter. Uh, but we use, uh, like Jacob, we use HubSpot as a, as a CRM, and all of our content's created and distributed through uh, HubSpot. And the value for us in that is one, we see where everybody got to us, mm-hmm. what they looked at, how they spent their time. And we were able to take all this data, bring it together, and say, oh, literally no one's looking at this page. Yeah. No one gives a rip about business cards. Mm-hmm. We should probably not spend any time, energy, or ad dollars on it. Yeah. But a lot of people care a ton about search. We should probably create some content around that. Yeah. And so if you do not have anything, one, call us, or like begin to catch data for the first time literally ever. Yeah, there's, We know a lot about people. There's a ton of free tools that are out there in order to help you create stuff so that you can, in turn, make sales. And like I feel like most people just don't use it. So there's that, the data around what, what web pages people are looking at, who is looking at it, and like that goes a long way in the sales process. Yep, it does. And just like not many people use it. No, and I think, I don't know, man. I think sales happen more and more before the phone call even happens. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, going through some of the processes we've gone through with other vendors, but even with people, like somebody knows what they need. If you can fulfill that need, you're going to get the sale most of the time. But the reality is finding people that actually have the need. Yeah. And we spend so much time, man. Like you can go through YouTube, you can go through Facebook, Instagram. I don't even care if you go stand outside and wave one of those little banners around. Yeah. If it works, but at the end of the day, the sell happens when you're in front of the people who, whether they know it or not, are actually looking what you're looking for. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's why, like, Safari, Google, shout out Steve Jobs, um, sorry, um, are starting to create content or, or, or starting to stop the, the retargeting. That's, like, one of my least favorite things. Retargeting? Yeah. And I think there's a time and a place for it. YouTube still has access to it, and a couple others do, and it'll change over the next year. But it's so frustrating to go to Amazon and look up one time whiskey. Yeah. And for the next 60 days, all I'm going to do is see whiskey ads. Yep. That's not a good sell. No. In theory, if I was like on the fence, yeah, that might help. But 90% of people who aren't on the fence who just like typed it in or clicked on something and then get retargeted, it's a nightmare. Can Can you buy whiskey on Amazon? No, I don't think so. Okay. I was about to say. I don't think you, you can ship it. If you can, then they should probably just do an Amazon sponsored product ad while they're cheap. Ooh. Probably, I, was, I was researching that. Is that a pro tip? That's a pro tip. That's if you have a, a product that you sell online, Amazon sponsored product ads are super cheap right now compared to everything. 55% of, this is a stat I just found yesterday. Okay. 55% of shoppers who are like in the buying stage do their searches on Amazon and not Google. Ooh. That's how much? 55%. Are you sure? That's what that's what this stat That's kind of fire. That is. So people 55%. are people are that are in the buying stage, they know what they want to buy. They're searching for the product on Amazon. So they're skipping the Google. Yeah. And going straight to Amazon. 55%. So th- like for products like, like, obviously, they're going to do, like, research on Google is, like, finding the product that they want. But once they know... Yeah, they're in the buying stage. They're Once they're in the buying stage, 55% of the time, they go to Amazon to type in the keyword or whatever they're, they're buying to find the product that they want. Which, again, Google's awesome. It is. Super important. But it only validates our theory that Google AdWords aren't worth it. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you can buy the prospect, the person who's way in the funnel. Or you could buy into Amazon and get the person who's like, hey, I'm ready to buy. Yeah. I don't, listen, if I'm getting, I've been looking at getting AirPod, like the Apple AirPods or like as soon as I know what I want, I, I agree with that. I go straight to Amazon. Yeah. I know why I go Google because all I'm going to do is get in Google is I'm going to get the factory or I'm going to get a bunch of just random sites or blogs about it. Yeah. At that point, I'm ready just to buy it. Yeah. And if I'm going to buy it, I'm going to buy it from... Probably Amazon. Amazon. I will clarify or that. This, this, it's probably obvious, but this doesn't work if you are a B2B company. You have to be a, B2, a B2C company. You have to be selling a product. Yeah, or in, in a B2C company that actually sells something tangible. Yeah. Not yeah. like a food. Yeah. 
Well, so, you, I mean, you could ship fuzzies. I guess you could. It might be where we live in Wichita Falls. It might be weird shipping f- fuzzies in Wichita Falls to Dallas. When but, there's a fuzzies in Dallas. When there's a fuzzies in Dallas. So yeah, probably that, probably, that probably wouldn't work. But I think I think the whole point in that is what you did and what you do every day is you reverse engineered. Like instead of just saying, hey, where do people search, Jared? Oh, they search on Google. Cool. Okay, so Google, let's buy Google AdWords. Like people just stop there mm-hmm. versus like looking back and saying, okay, okay, so so people search on Google. Yeah, we need to be make sure we're registered correctly. Don't listen. Don't run Google AdWords. Um, and then working back and saying, okay, our people, products, Amazon, like buy, like that's the kind of stuff people I think don't do. That's the benefit as an agency I think we bring. Yeah. But if you have the time invested in this. Completely, because who knows what's next? Yeah, is Amazon is Amazon going to survive? Who knows? For for a while, they will if they keep innovating because they're growing. But I the, mean, you, you just never know. The digital space is savage. Yeah, like they don't even care anymore. I mean, I thought MySpace was the dopest thing that ever came out. Dead. Justin Timberlake bought it. Dead. Like yeah. it didn't matter. Yeah. Facebook's. I think Facebook's probably the the premium because they've survived it. And they survived it, and they survived it, and then they went and bought people, and then people didn't want to buy them, and so they just stole their features. But I don't know, man. I think it's I think it's incredibly crucial to not get boxed into what people say. Yeah. Like, hey, listen, you need to be on Facebook, Instagram, and Snapchat. For how long? Because it may be cha- completely different, completely different in six months. Yeah. I did see another stat that, like, 33% of – Influencers are like not using Snapchat anymore, which is a, like a third of influencers. They're using Instagram um, stories over Snapchat now, which I think we knew was coming. Yeah, we. It's unfortunate, I and I think Snapchat made some amazing adjustments. I just don't see it. Yeah, I just don't see it. I mean, I know that everybody tries to follow the younger market, but I just, yeah. I don't know. I was talking with someone yesterday about Marco Polo. I, I don't know. Like, I'm on it. I've seen it. Not going to happen. Yeah. So, I don't think that... I think you have to be everywhere, but you also have to be using data to, like, yeah. decide where you, you need to be. Is Facebook just going to absorb everything? So, you have the Facebook Watch now. They own Instagram. What are they going to take on next? Listen, this is why Zuck is a savage. The best. Maybe the best we've seen. Because that dude understands human behavior mm-hmm. before he understands the profit. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm sure he got into it for the money. To some, I mean, you got you're always creating a business to to make money, but that dude's made a lot of money. Yeah. Like, why not just get comfortable, mm-hmm. sit down, like let this thing dissolve, keep catching some paychecks for a few more years, and then leave. Like, he's made enough money for us his life. Yeah, but he understands human human behavior, and I don't think most people do. Yeah, I don't think the guy from Snapchat did. I, I don't. I mean, obviously, Instagram is now Facebook. I mean, Facebook owns a majority of the share. And then Facebook, in the most amazing way, says, hey, we're going to launch Facebook Watch and go after YouTube. And I think if I was YouTube, I would at least watch. Yeah. If Facebook I'll- makes a, a, a TV, if I'm Samsung, I'm watching. Yeah. Because the dude's right so far a majority of the time. And he called up Snapchat and said, hey, listen, I'll, I'll buy you for, I can't remember how much it was, it was like two, two billion or something. It was crazy. Mm-hmm. And Snapchat said, no, nah, no, nah, we're worth more. He said, cool, uh, so we're going to do that on Instagram. Yeah, I'm going to buy Instagram, and then we're going to do it. It's over. Like, it, yeah. was, it was over at that point, so I don't know. I, I do, think... Do, do you have a problem with him, like, just taking ideas and using them? No. Here's okay, why. Me either. Here's why. Because he's making it better. Mm-hmm. Because I trust him with use, with human behavior and the user experience more than I trust anybody else. Yeah. And there's, there's other things going to come up. I think that anytime you have an, a monopoly, it's not good. So I want to see other people compete with him. But no. Like if Zuck's got his hands on it, it's gonna be good. Yeah, and I have no idea why. Just like just like your boy Steve Jobs. Listen, the only difference was Steve Jobs created the greatest device on earth. That's ever. That's ever. <laughs> Are you talking about the iPod Shuffle? The iPod Shuffle was top ten for sure. Um, I don't know the, the 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 thought of innovation is is difficult. Like it's easy to think about. Like I always have ideas. Like man, we should create a a Roomba that mows your yard. Like, it's not tangible. It doesn't make sense. They don't have those? I don't think so. I thought they had robotic lawnmowers. Do they? I thought they did. I've always Maybe thought, not. 
I've always thought it'd be cool if you just had lasers set up. And I know. They just, they just, they like, they oh, met. I, just, I mean, everything in the, like, every squirrel and every dog in the way is dead. Probably. They should cut your whole yard. They cut your yard. Yeah. Like, like that. You don't have to ever mow. Listen, what there's you, no way in six years we're still mowing our yard. What if you have trees, though? Or bushes. You you basically put this piece of tape around it. It's like, like it's like a CNC machine. Yeah. You like build the the template and it just does yeah. whatever the template says. Okay. There's no way we're mowing yards in six years. Hmm. There's no way. Hmm. So I don't know. I'm interested in it. Um. But yeah, I don't know, man. I, that's a good question. But I, I don't I don't know what's next. Do you, okay. Question. Last question before we we dip out. Do you think in 2018? Right. Yeah. 2018. Next year. Yes. Okay. We will see another social network rise. Now, now, listen, to clarify, I don't mean like it's already as profitable as the top three. I guess four if you want to put YouTube in there. Do you think we see somebody else come up in there? When when did Snapchat become a thing? So I don't don't remember the timeline because at some point it was like more of a college deal. But, um, I mean, it's been four years. Right? I don't think so. I'm gonna, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm YouTubing right now. No, no, no. I, was, I, was, I wasn't saying I don't think so to your, your no, no, Snapchat no, I'm timeline. I was saying I don't think so to next year. There's going to be a social media media platform rise. Do you? Yes. We may not know about it yet, but it'll be out there in the next year. It'll be out there. Like how? Okay. What do you consider rise? Like how many people have to be on it? So maybe I asked the question wrong. I think that I think that it's been created already. Okay. I think that it's setting in development, and I think that it'll be released to the public in 2018. Whether I don't think it's going to be like we're set. Maybe. Because listen, Pokemon Go yeah. popped off in weeks. Okay, so, so anything can happen. I don't, think that, I don't think that we're sitting here on a social network where in 2018 it's above Snapchat. I think that would uh-huh. surprise me a tiny bit, but I think that it's created this year. I think it's created in 2017. I think it's already created. Do you think it lasts? Yes. Longer than Snapchat. Maybe not Facebook. Facebook has proven the test of time. However, as we ask high school kids and college kids, how are you going to get them back? Yeah. Like, Zuck's got to be asking that question. Mm-hmm. How do we get these high school kids back? Yeah. Because all they're thinking is my grandma's on here. Yeah. But that's got to be, I don't know how you fix that. I don't know either. Because Six. as soon as as soon as soon it starts to get big and then, you know, seven, eight years come, you know, older people start to jump in. Young people are like, ah, this is lame. You know, I'm sure that if everybody's grandparents and parents were watching MTV in the 90s, no one would watch it. Because it wouldn't be cool. Mm-hmm. And we wouldn't listen to, like, Hillsong and stuff. Which is cool. Which is cool. But not for young people. It's no, it's no Usher, though. It's no 8701. It's no Kanye. College, what was his first one? College graduation? Okay, real quick. No, just graduation. Yeah, it was graduation. When do you think... Snapchat was created. No, college dropout. That was the first one. Sorry. What do you think the initial release date of Snapchat was? The initial, what year are we in? Like my... 2017. How time works on mine is so weird. 2017. Um, I'm going to say it was... 2013. Sometime in 2013. If you were going to be a betting man, you're going over under. Over over under 2013? I guess under, the way you're wording this. 2011. 2011, really? So they've been around. They've been around. So I'm not. I'm not saying that I think that. Um, when was Instagram? Hold on, let's look at this. We need. We need to find somebody that does this, like Joe Rogan's podcast that just like sits here and. Instagram's got to be around longer than that. 2009. 10. 2010. 10? Ooh, they're like barely had a Snapchat. That's kind of surprising. It is surprising. What do you think about Facebook? Facebook was what, 2003? Man, you're getting, you're good at this. 2004. 2004? That's a good guess. MySpace is still going. It was from like 1982 to present. Wait a second. It was like pre-internet access to present. These numbers can't be, these things can't be right. Okay, I'm going to, I'm going to pick my computer up while we're doing this real quick. We need to get off this podcast, but... (laughs) I really, I really, this is like super interesting. This just what? turned into a fact checking. YouTube. When was YouTube started? YouTube was started, I'm going to say 2000. You got 
2001, 2005. Wow. It was after Facebook? Really? Yeah. That kind of so, surprises me. Too. So I don't know if this is accurate. It said people also search for underneath this right here. Uh-huh. And it says that Google was started in 1998. Okay, that makes sense. It says that Netflix was started on August 29th of 1997. That doesn't make sense. And then it says Amazon was started in 94. That doesn't make sense either. That can't be real, right? And the sages like were like shells, like complete shells of what they are now. And they just evolved to a totally different thing. Yeah, that can't be right. 1994 Amazon? That was like... Netflix is an American entertainment company founded by Reed Hastings. Was that Hastings? And Mark Rupert Randolph. Just kidding. I wasn't even close. I'm sorry to fast. Mark Randolph. On August 29th, 1997, it specialized in providing stream media and on video, video on demand, online, and DVD by mail. In 2013, Netflix expanded to film and television production. That can't be right. So are they the real innovators? I don't know, but that's super interesting. We need to look into that. All I know is Amazon. I don't. I don't know what Amazon's been doing if they were founded in 1994. But just according to like ad revenue stats that I was looking at the other day, like Google was at like 80 billion, Facebook was at like 60 billion, and they're at like one billion. So I don't know what they've been that doing. That can't be real. Yeah, I don't know. We could probably do this for the rest of the day. Yeah. I started to think about other companies like Apple, and then we're in a bind. Yeah. Man, I don't know how long this is gone. But, this, man, this is a celebration. Episode 12? Episode 12. Uh, first ever call-in. It's a pretty irrelevant number, but... No. But we had a call-in. We had a call-in. First number ever call one in. call-in. Yeah. And you joined a sales podcast, which is interesting. Which is... I don't know if you noticed, but I was struggling my, struggling my way through it. I know. I was looking at you while Jacob was talking, and I was intrigued. And I know you were, too, but you were texting. Jacob was probably just wondering, like, why is Jared on this podcast? He just texted me and said, why was Jared even on the podcast? Exactly. I'm just kidding. He didn't do that. But. So, thanks for listening. Um, thanks for staying for work, Jared. Hey. Yeah. I do it every day. We should go uh, walk across the street and enjoy some good tacos at Fuzzy's. What time is it? Yep. We should. It's 545. Yeah, I think my wife's about to be there. So. Hit us a little wrap. Thanks for listening. And don't need to shy away. <laughs> I'm a friend of a friend. Um, fun fact, I used to have a rap career. So, uh, episode 12 of Modern Mad Men. And uh, we out. <laughs>